0: good afternoon welcome to the Fontenelle final bell here on the rural radio network i'm susan littlefield well we start out the monday yeah not so good at least on a grain perspective definitely seeing some lower trade numbers unless you're liking the wheat boy they sure popped into the positive side you flip the page over to the livestock live cattle had the struggle but feeders just a smidge to the positive as hogs as well continued their upward trend. We're going to look at what's happening in the markets today as PJ Conrad joins us. He is with offs. So a lower start to this Monday for our grains. And even though not too bad on the corn, it was still um, dealing with some negative numbers.
1: Yeah, it has been. And, and really, it goes back uh, with about the last 10, uh, 12 days, call it the whole month of November, has been a big no for corn to go higher anyways. And it's... Uh, it was just talking to a client of mine before we get on here and you know, kind of the same thing. It's like our basis is still, still strong. Um, so it's like still very good future or, or cash price to be selling. Uh, even though we've you know, lost 20 to 30 cents in the futures market, but there's, you can tell maybe a little bit more worry. Uh, of what is going to pull this back higher between now and say the end of the year. And then once we turn the uh, flip the calendar to 2023, the focus Although it already is on South America, it really ramps up because our we'll start having more knowns about that crop as, as we creep along the first 60 days of 23. So you could throw a lot of negative things into this market, uh, similar to about uh, two three months ago when you could throw a lot of bullish things in the market and we couldn't seem to go much higher than you know 695. So it's kind of a tale of two different stories and how far do say funds want to push it down or or bring it back up? You know, I think there is some. There's probably enough unknowns just in the world markets and everything else that funds, you know, look like maybe potential buyers here uh, today of some corn, even though we are down. I just think at these levels, end users and funds maybe feel more comfortable being buyers and sellers of, say, corn and uh, wheat versus the soybean market that's at the upper end of its ranges and it's probably more of an ascent process than a buying thought process so
0: on jinx it but you know we haven't heard much the last couple of days coming out of russia and ukraine after that was the on again off again uh, grain shipment relationship
1: no we haven't uh well i think they the black sea agreement all comes up what saturday i believe yep and we get through that i think and me if I'm wrong, but I thought i had read maybe you know, Russia doesn't care to, to rejoin or, or to go back through it. But they're also not going to attack any, you know, any of the progress or any of the ships and vessels leaving that area. So it's kind of like a agree to disagree. Uh, we're not going to mess it up, but we don't want to say we agree with you either. And I was also, you know, kind of. Kind of reading too. They want to get you know one of their main uh, banking's kind of back in with SWIFT and the international banking systems. And it sounds like that's a far cry from it. Um, they hold a lot of a lot of fertilizer we need and and everything else. So you hope we can get the closer we get to resolution, the better. But that feels like light years away as we're you know what looking down uh, about nine months now of war and it's been pretty quiet and hasn't really done anything to get the markets fired up but it's still a frustrating uh thorn in our side if nothing else
0: yeah no kidding no we look at weekly inspections i saw last week we saw some slightly higher numbers coming in but for the corn but still we're definitely continuing this lackluster not a lot going on type of trade
1: oh it's it's very uh the export numbers are concerning for a lot of reasons i mean i think that's a key barometer of how much could we shave off of this 22 crop or, I guess, add on, excuse me, add on to the overall carryout by due to lack of exports? I mean, I think you look at domestic demand, it's strong and it looks to continue to be strong. Um, so that's always a positive. I think we'll keep internal basis very good. But you start throwing in your exports and where is all this grain actually going to go? And I know we've had a shorter, you know, kind of a shorter crop this year, especially in the Western Corn Belt. But that green will eventually, from the east, will make its way back west. It just takes more time. And I thought, you know, as of this marketing year, so say what September first till today, um, we are what eighty-one million bushels behind last year, or twenty-nine percent behind last year. So we are we're behind pace. Excuse me, not last year. So that's trying to keep pace with the usda's numbers they have plugged in we're 29 big deal right now and why this gets so front-loaded is because of the south american crop that will come off in february our our shipments tend to ease kind of february forward and so I try to make a lot of it up here during harvest time and, and post-harvest until they get their crop off and it's just not happening you know some of that's a strong dollar and just we're overall worldwide overpriced to the tune of corn. And I think that's, it's gonna be a lingering conversation as I told my clients and anyone that will listen, I think i want to believe, you know, your 22 crop, you're gonna have good cash opportunities at, at a lot of different times this year. I'm not saying futures are gonna be great, but I think to pry it out of a lot of uh, farmers hands and also to get the grain where it needs to go from a basis aspect, we'll see some very encouraging basis values but it just all goes trickling back to that 23 crop as we sit here and could potentially keep eating into the exports and adding to that in the balance sheet. And if our carry out goes from, you know, one, two to one, three and a half, now that's a big swing and and something that will be a, a multi-year problem if South America has a good crop and we have a decent one again next year.
0: So who do you think is gonna have the, the stronger basis? Eastern Corn Belt or Western?
1: Western. I mean, you look at that report last week, uh, and I thought this was actually – I thought the number would be a lot higher. Um, I I was kind of surprised to see where it was. Uh, Nebraska, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, and Texas as total are off 18% from last year, and the largest one being Texas is down 29% from last year, and Kansas 21. Um, Nebraska is off 16% from last year. So you look at those. It's going to keep that Western Corn Belt very strong basis. And the question is, how much can you get from, you know, Minnesota down to say Oklahoma? How much? A-
0: All right. Well, stick around, folks. We got to have a lot more coming up as we continue on the font now final bell right here on the rural radio network.
1: With 85 years of serving Nebraska farmers, Fontenelle Hybrids is still committed to helping you meet the challenges in every field. In farmer-managed trials over the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a 9-bushel-per-acre yield advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading-volume corn products. That's a 75% win rate. No wonder Fontanelle is called the best-kept secret in the Cornhusker State. Contact your local Fontenelle dealer to see what all the fuss is about. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and... Welcome
0: back to the Fontanelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with PJ Conrad. PJ, of course, will trade us. So we have a weekly crop progress report that comes out. And yes, it's still they're still sending out numbers. And as a producer told me earlier today, PJ, he doesn't really care about what's happening in the corn and the beans because he says basically it's done. But he looks for that report just to see how this winter wheat is moving along.
1: I think it's a fair uh, fair statement. I mean, I was reading some weekend commentary from some different people uh, Saturday morning, and I found one was still talking about what's done is done, and I, I realize there's people back east and especially north that are trying to get everything out they can, and it's more of a slow slug for them. But the lion's share of the crops harvested. You look at winter wheat, you know, what's planted and, and how, how are we – what's going to – the moisture we even need to get anything going right now is is non-existent and that's you know again talking to some clients here you look out and you think we were just talking about it off air season we uh, well i'm not getting any snow here in lincoln at you go to the southwest or not and i'm there's some areas in eastern nebraska that did get some snow at least some moisture on the ground and i think every farmer uh, in america right now would welcome the snow just to get the moisture out of it and get something and know that there can be moisture that falls from the sky because there's parts of central nebraska and nebraska as a whole that have went a long time without anything real measurable so a lot of frustration there um you look at Kansas City. we i think you look overall from the world standpoint we're overpriced that's not to say the last two years we've struggled to raise enough to meet demand so at some point there's that balancing act that's going to happen um and the corn and wheat are so tied together too so that's also the nice part i guess the good part for corn is in some ways if you have a kind of drier winter maybe you do get the uh the support in the corn market just because wheat's going to be be so uh working higher during it so i really think the more you read the more you know and, and yeah it sounds like russia's got a lot of wheat or uh, how is it going to make its way to the world market is probably the bigger question and how do they do that as under the table as possible because they don't uh, necessarily want to be seen out there trading but they need the money if they're going to keep fighting a very expensive war, so.
0: So switch over to the livestock side. How much influence did this corn market today and just the grains in general weigh on both the live and the feeder cattle market?
1: You know, I think a little bit. I mean, I, I, It's tough to say that they're, they're always tied to a certain degree but maybe not as uh, married up as they once were right now, just cause we've seen such a disconnect I and mean, we've had a nice run here. Feeder cattle have sold off, or not sold off, excuse me, kind of stabilized where they're at. They were up, you know, what, 90 cents today. Uh, the Jan' were trading just shy of 180. Again, it seems like every, and I'm not talking just, you know, if you look at Jan feeders, we're sitting there, right, at some converging moving averages of the, you know, 10, 20, 50 day moving averages is all hanging around there. You flip over to the fats kind of the same deal they have they're probably more above it appear to be more of a seller of this say the D's fat cattle market just 150 160 you're within shooting distance of the highs and you got a lot of major moving averages the 200 day and the 100 day sitting down one that 150 to 149 range so you kind of got the tail of two different charts there but in general all these markets that's corn included and soybeans included have found ways to consolidate in the last two and a half to say some major moving averages. I think that's just a function of showing you there's a lot, there's unknowns, but there's more knowns than there were three months ago. There's more knowns from a grain standpoint, and there's more unknowns from what's gonna happen in the next six months. So as we turn this page here, this is always kind of a you know, slower time of year, I guess, from a trading aspect. Um, I like moving a lot of corn here. No dees basis is always strong. But it's definitely trade. As far as future swings, typically aren't very uh, erratic in this time frame. Now we'll see if something were to change. It, it seems to be anytime you say nothing's going to happen, something's going to happen. So we can see what that brings. But six fifty, I look at on corn is a real hard number right now. That's that's going to stabilize. Uh, we seem to be married on this NOV or January beans to say that fourteen forty. We've been down like 14.10 roughly is good support. You get below that, it's more 13.75. So if I had a gun to the head today, you know, I think if you have old crop beans sitting around, you'd rather be a seller of beans today and uh, maybe hold out for the corn back to something in that 6.85 to 6.95 range. And you flip over to say the new crop contracts, Uh, D's 23 corn at 6.08 is a great price. Uh, could we get some favorability back to six and a quarter? Yeah, I definitely think so. And November soybeans, though, for next year, I mean, 1384, I think is a fantastic start to get some legs underneath it just because if we don't have the South American problem and we'll have something that maybe kills the crop, but again, plants is a vast area of cropland that it's not going to take a record yield for them to produce a record crop. So
0: what is the best way for folks to get a hold of you?
1: Uh, You can call us at 402-858-7529, or you can reach us on any social media at LLC. All
0: right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. It is brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.